Hey, everybody, and happy holidays from the Cinema Hangover crew. Woo! My name is Oliver, and I'm joined here with my two co-hosts, Shannon. Hello. And Taylor. Yay! I don't know why I hesitated. No, like for a second, <laughs> like it looked as if you were pointing at me when you said Shannon. Our... And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't. I think the whole like holiday introduction threw me off. <laughs> it's the holidays, it is and the this holidays. is our second specific. Christmas holiday, holiday movie. Yeah, movie? yeah. It's Violent Night last time, right? Oh yeah, I remember that. Why yeah. do I feel like there was another holiday related? It's a Wonderful movie Life. That... Oh, it's a Wonderful Life. That was the oh, other one. Yep, yep but that, that was a New true. Year's one we did or something. Right? Shit. Yeah. That's and right. anyways, yep. So today, well, I guess before we talk about the movie, mm. Shannon, you should tell us what we're drinking. We are drinking the champagne of all beers. This is the champagne of beers. Oh, the champagne of beers. Which is Miller High Life. Okay, now I kind of get it. Why? It's you'll find out, you'll find out in like we've five actually, seconds. We've all a, never whoa. had a Miller High Life, so. You know, like what? maybe I have, but I, I definitely can't remember. It's, it's a pretty bad. It's a pretty forgettable beer. <laughs> Did you this just say like, forgettable? This is like beer pong beer. Yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of agree with that. But. It was picked for a very specific reason. I mm-hmm. do feel like I need to be drinking out of like a red solo cup. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. <laughs> but this, I mean, we picked this beer because it is name dropped multiple times in the movie that we just watched. Yep. Which is The Holdovers, uh, which just came out not too long ago, about yeah, like, a few weeks ago, if not last no, month. No, probably more like a month, month or two ago. So. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A, month of, a month or two ago. And yeah, it's all, it stars Paul Giamatti. And it is an interesting film in the sense that it's aesthetic from the setting as well as the filming, uh, like the the actual way it's filmed and edited is based in the seventies. So it kind of has yeah, a bit it's of like, like a shot to look like a, a old movie. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it kind of has a nice throwback to it, and it is not only interesting from the aesthetic standpoint, but the story is also pretty fascinating as well. So it's pretty nice. Why don't you tell us real quick what it's about? Yes. So this is set in 1970, and this is in a New England high school, uh, preppy high school, and Paul Giamatti plays this ancient history teacher who is basically regarded as the ultimate asshole of the entire like mm-hmm. campus. He, well, he just kind of is. He is, just is. He kind of is. He kind of is, yeah. <laughs> and during the Christmas time, if there's any kids who don't have a means to head back home, then they are considered holdovers. And one of the teachers are responsible for watching over them during the Christmas period. And Paul Giamatti was volunteered slash told to watch over those these kids. And this is basically the setup for the film. Yeah. And one other additional character, uh, Mary, who's an integral character, part of this film. She's played by uh, Divine Joy Randolph. Yeah. Uh, she is one of the main cooks in the campus, but her son recently passed away. And this plays a part in helping to connect not only uh, the ancient history teacher, but also with one of the students that's staying over, his, whose name's Tully, and he's played by... Ang- Angus, Tully. Angus Tully. And his name is... Uh, he, or he's played by an actor named Dominic Sessa. Mm-hmm. And it, this was his first movie. Oh, really? Damn. Oh, wow. And this entire film is basically just how these characters learn more about each other's backstories over the course of the Christmas uh, break. And, and it really just focuses around these three characters the entire time. Oh, yeah. Yep. And right off the bat, what was your guys' like initial impressions of the film like after... like? finishing out like do you think it was like one of those films where 
it's kind of like a nice refresher after all these like big bombastic like oh my god movies. yeah like, it's like yeah, a, yeah for sure it, i yeah. i really like, enjoy i mean we we should we'll dive into it more but i just really enjoyed watching a movie that is kind of just like i don't know the right way to put it it's just kind of like a little like delight it's just like it's a like little a movie that's not film. yeah it's like pretty light it's it's not um i mean it's set in the past obviously like the 70s but it's also not really it's just like a self-contained little story that's not trying to be huge. And it's not yeah. really even, it's not trying to push any messages or make any yeah. like, big statements. It's kind of just like a little feel-good movie. Which is I, actually kind of nice. Yeah. It's a nice change I, of pace. I, I didn't really think, <laughs> I, got, I got the same feeling, like the same feeling watching this as I, I get sometimes when I watch like older older movies yeah. too. Yeah, and yeah. obviously like, that's kind of part of what they were going so for. So that means they really did capture like what they were trying it, to achieve there. It's just nice. It, I didn't realize how much it can kind of take it out of you just constantly watching like big movies and watching movies that okay. are like I love movies that have messages and especially like if they have a, a relevant social message or, or something like that. Like I love those movies, but it's it is nice to kind of have a breather from just like a movie that's mm. just not really trying to do that. Yeah, it's really just a, a movie that's focused on the story of the characters and just them growing as characters versus trying to deliver something greater than like any yeah, form it, of like social messaging or anything like that. Right, it's just right. Like, this is just a story. We just want to make this. Fuck it. It's just a little <laughs> holiday story. Yeah. And it's a good, like, what I like about this is I feel like it is a really good movie that you can watch every holiday. Yeah, I, I, I want it. Yeah. I, me and Oliver were talking about this the other day, like, I want to find that movie that's like our Christmas tradition, oh, you know, yeah. that we yeah, watch yeah. every year. And I feel like we haven't found one, but I could totally see there, this being one. This being in the rotation, violent, yeah. You know, Violent Night is <laughs> also a fun one, yeah. but they're very different movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, Violent Night is, air quotes, a feel-good movie in a different type of way, mm-hmm. but I wanted a movie like this to be like Yeah, like well, and I think, I think too... Uh, for me, like I grew up watching a ton of different Christmas movies, and and like in my family there was Christmas movies that were on rotation every year, whether it was like Christmas Story, um, or Christmas Vacation or something like that. Mm. Um, and I love those movies, but it's cool to watch a movie like this. That's a new movie, and feel like this could be something that could be a part of a new tradition. Mm-hmm. You know, most of the time, a yeah. lot of a lot of Christmas movies that are in people's kind of rotation tend to be like. Old, not maybe not older movies, but a little bit older, like whether it be Elf or Christmas Vacation or something like that. Like there are these, Elf. there are these classic <laughs> Christmas movies that everybody watches and loves, but you don't really see a lot of new Christmas movies kind of become people's right. You know, new like tradition. Too, yeah, and I, I a lot of people are already saying that the holdovers is going to become a tradition for them. I could totally see it becoming a tradition for us, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's kind of cool too. It's like a new movie that's. Our tradition. It's yeah. not inherited from somebody else, and I think that that's super cool. Yeah. I think uh, one other aspect that just, I just thought of this a moment ago, this film kind of sits in a way like reading like a really good book that over time you just pick up and just have as like a light read. It's fun to like go through. Yeah. It's like having like your favorite, not exactly your favorite meal, but it's like that go-to meal you it's have like a comfort really meal. Nice restaurant. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what this film kind of is. Now, the themes it explores, you know, does have some heaviness to it. I was but, about to say, it's but, not really a light right. movie right. per but, se. Like it, but it's not like so heavy that you're like, oh God, I need a it's, moment. Ugh. Yeah, no, it, it, it does have sad moments and it does deal with like real... Um, but but like, I think it handles I, it well. But it handles but it well. I can also like it, see 
depending on how you grew up, like this movie could totally pull out your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and there are times where it pulled out mine too. Yeah. Like it, it's. I think it. It probably depends on the audience, but everybody can everybody can understand the impact of meeting people that change your life. I think that's really mm-hmm. what it's about. Like if you boil mm-hmm. it down, it's really about how strangers can just kind of change the path that your life is on. Mm-hmm. And that's like mm-hmm. overall, and and like how family can be what you choose. And mm-hmm. yeah, you know. the found family aspect. Yep, of it. Yeah. and and. I think it does have sad moments, but it's not like a depressing movie. Right. And Ew. I guess, you know, minor spoiler alert, it doesn't really, it ends on a, maybe a, a slightly it's melancholic. It's like a bittersweet. Yeah. Type. Bittersweet yeah, ending, but not like a depressing movie like, where you just are so sad ended. afterwards. Yeah. It just, and Shannon and I watched this last night, and actually we just watched the second half again with you, Taylor, yeah. tonight. And I enjoyed watching that second half just as much as I did last night. Like mm-hmm. it, I wasn't mm-hmm. really, I wasn't really dreading it, or I wasn't really like, oh, I just saw this last night, so let me tune out. Like I was totally watching and invested just as much as the second. So time. that's a really huge point, and that's I'm glad you mentioned that because it kind of helps answer an important question of rewatchability. And that's at least for me, I think that's a key aspect of any film of whether or not it actually has lasting power. Yeah. How easy is it for you to rewatch it? Is it yeah. something that you have to prep for? So like, okay, I gotta watch this film. Time to, uh, or can you just pop it on, sit back, and like, oh hey, this is nice. Well, we've movie. watched movies on this podcast before that mm-hmm. I love. I adore. They're movies that I will always, you know, put on a very high echelon, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. But I don't want to watch all the time. Like right. maybe once every few years, I want to watch it, right. and then I'm good. This is a movie that I feel is. It's kind of in the same level of levity as like a movie, and I'm going to elaborate more before I finish what I'm about to say, but like a John Wick style movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. When I say that, I just mean like there's a level of, of <laughs> two completely different movies, not the same at all, yeah. but they John both have Wick like... Is, John Wick is turning into the new Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. Well, I think, <laughs> it's, I think it's... We reference it so much. I think it's... Fast and Furious. Yeah. Well, I think it's... I think the reason I use John Wick is a lot of people have seen it, and a lot of yeah. people can acknowledge that it's like a fun movie, but not like a super serious movie. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like my pinnacle example of that. Mm. And when I compare those two movies, you know, The Holdovers and John Wick in levels of like levity, all I'm really meaning is that they're both like you can turn on and watch them and have a good time with them, but it's not asking you to necessarily like it's not trying to completely consume all of you right. while you're watching it. Right. And, and they're so- very different. Uh they both play it straight obviously. Um and I just think it's interesting. Yeah. No, it is. And it's kind of weird, honestly, because it's been a while since I've had an opportunity to watch a film where it wasn't like, okay, so honestly, this is like the breadth of films that I've, I feel like we've been experiencing like recently. Mm-hmm. It's either bombastic, spectacle, like Marvel films or big budget, 250 to $300 million fucking movies that are like, holy shit, or it's like a nice but deep exploration of character or like mentality or yeah. existentialism like 824 movies those are the movies that don't stay in the theaters that long right right it makes me this, so sad this is like, like what what do you mean like this one mm. yeah it's no. not in the theaters that long but right this freaking one oh. aquaman's gonna be in theaters for like four to six months exactly exactly this film might here, maybe not aquaman right <laughs> but this film might here it fits in a way that's in the middle where it's like, oh, hey, this is a nice slice of lifetime experience. Like, yay. Yeah. I can watch this and not be so damn depressed that I'm going to, like, cry or be so exhausted that I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> and also, what's kind of cool, too, is, like, I, I say that it, I think it's going to end up being, like, a Christmas tradition. Mm. 
But it's also not a movie that I would just watch during Christmas. Like mm. I would watch this any time of the year. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's set during Christmas, so that's kind of why it becomes a Christmas movie. But it transcends but actually, outside of it. Yeah. I guess yeah. I guess the director's come out and said that he doesn't he like doesn't like that people are seeing this movie as like this feel good Christmas movie. Like he Wait, doesn't... they think of it as a feel good? Yeah, like Christmas this movie movie's kind of like a yeah, I mean it's kind of like a feel good Christmas movie. I mean, movie. I could s- And he I guess he he kind of has an issue with that. The counter He didn't want it to be like a He didn't want it to be seen that way. Really. Is it more so that he doesn't want it to be like a feel good movie or a feel good Christmas movie? I think it's more like I'm ooh, actually go for it. Oh, yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure. I can't really remember as a while ago when I read about that or heard about that interview. But I think it's one of those things where it's like as an artist, you kind of just create art mm-hmm. and you don't really get to say how people take it or interpret it. You yeah. know, mm-hmm. and if people want this or view this as like a feel good family Christmas movie that they want to watch every year, then unfortunately for you, if that's what you didn't want, that's what it is. Right. Okay. Right. So with that being said, I think based on what was explored in the film with the characters and the themes and everything like that, it I can see where some of the feel-good aspects of it are, but honestly, this film is more of a, not tragic, but it is more of an exploration of dealing with tragedy. There we go. Uh, Dealing with tragedy, dealing with past trauma, dealing with unfortunate circumstances, and how to build past it, and how that can actually connect strangers together and help Mm -hmm. them... Actually, help each other out through those tough situations. So, yeah, but there yeah. is like a level of le- like I said, levity is going to be the key. Oh yeah, no, for this yeah, entire, yeah, yeah, entire podcast. But there is like a levity and like kind of just like a fuzziness to the whole thing too. It is, mm. it is very funny. It is, oh, dude, very like so the the script, it, the dialogue. Holy shit, it's it's, there, it's, it's a very maybe so it's great. maybe it's not a feel good movie, but it is heartwarming at times. Yeah. Like. You basically yeah. get to see That's this kid. Funny and... Yeah, you Yo, get to they see throw this some kid. shit down. That makes me feel like I didn't take notes about yeah. that. <laughs> you get to see this kid, uh, Angus, who gets uh, basically essentially abandoned by his parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not essentially, literally abandoned by literally. his parents over Christmas. Straight and up. He doesn't really have, uh, I mean, I guess he has a father figure or a father. But he does have a father. Yeah. He does have a father. That's kind of explored later on in the movie. Yep. But you you do get to see him kind of create this bond with this. I mean, it's a story that we've seen a million times, right? Like the curmudgeon character. It's literally like up. That's basically like the same yeah. sort of sort of thing. But you're absolutely right. This is a type of story format that has been explored many times before. But it is kind of refreshing seeing it told from this perspective. Yeah. And in this way, in general. Something that I actually really love about this movie is that it's a it's a rated R Christmas movie. Yay! And there's rated just, R. Oh, with the amount of so shit that they yeah. say, yeah. oh, it yeah. has to be. Yeah. And I, I guess, guess I guess true. I I guess I love I love it for that because it feels like a movie that my it's, parents would have like let me watch when I was. I was gonna bo- say like I totally will let my. Kids but they watch cuss this. a lot, Which and there's a curious. lot of like there's a lot of innuendo, and there's like even titties in it on a magazine. There is right? titties in it, but it's funny it because it's it's a movie that you almost forget that it there's is some candy cane a, in it. <laughs> Yo, I'm gonna use that for that one. I love that line. It's like it's, it's, can't it's easy. It's easy to forget. I think because it's like a feel good movie and it's like a Christmas movie. It's it's easy to forget that like yeah, there are kind of adult themes in it, but yeah. it kind of rides that line of a movie that like I probably would have been able like to watch as a kid. So when you're like a kid, you probably don't even think about yeah. it. Yeah, and it's just so. I mean, you I, probably are like, oh, they could have titties on the screen. They could have like, totally. Gone. <laughs> they could have totally just made this PG thirteen for sure. Yeah. But I love that they just made this 
And oh, again, the perfect, you, the best, the best scene. And I like this kind of goes to what you were saying. They totally could have made this a PG thirteen movie, but like mm-hmm. making it the rated R movie just made it that much better. Yeah. There is a scene where Mary, well, actually Angus is like walking out and he's pissed off and he says Jesus' name in vain, and she oh, was yeah. like. Don't not on Christmas. Not on Christmas. Don't say that. Watch your mouth. Mm-hmm. And then she proceeds to go, that little fucker, that little asshole, like just <laughs> cussing up a storm. And I'm like, she's over here cussing. Why can't he say Jesus? <laughs> and there's some, it's I mean, there's so just great. some great comedic comedic moments that oh, like, yeah. really uh, wouldn't, I feel like wouldn't work without it being radar, without like yep. having swear words in it. And that's yep, just yep. also how a teenager talks. And that's yep. like, it's just really funny. I love when, I love when Paul Giamatti and uh, Angus's character meet the professor in New York or Boston, oh, wherever they're yeah. at. Oh, yeah. And then they make up this whole lie and they tell this elaborate story. And as they're walking away, there's like a moment of silence. And then Angus is like, what the fuck was that? That was like, great. I love that. Great, that was so great, perfect. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, God. See, that's the thing. There's a lot of moments in this film that make it feel real between yeah. like actual like people that are like experiencing this. And that's something that I feel is a hard thing for a lot of writers and like filmmakers to capture because you're like trying to make that happen. But these guys do it perfectly. It's like these are actual people that are experiencing this shit yeah. and they're just like responding like reasonably. It's like, what the fuck just happened? What are you doing? And, yeah, and I guess that's I guess that's something that is just so cool too, is it's nothing in this movie, like none of the tropes or any of the story necessarily aren't things that you haven't seen before. Right. But the way that it's all put together is just so nice like it's just such, yeah. it's so refreshing and so it's so nice to see it in this way you know it kind of makes me feel it's like you know all the ingredients that go into this dish but the way it was cooked and there's put a lot together, of food analogies nice. I feel actually, like. yeah. <laughs> yeah no for real so because i'm hungry but, <laughs> but also the other thing too that stands out was wow damn it i just lost the thought <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say that this movie which is the first movie and the first time in a long time that has changed how I feel about an actor. Wait, like Paul Giamatti? Yeah. Well, she, really? Yeah. So, so I what I will say is. associate him with a big fat liar. Oh, yeah. With and like Frankie Muniz and like Amanda Bynes. I hated his stupid face because of that That's movie. That's such a mean thing to say. I know. You I'm can't sorry. Change oh. someone's face. I know. Well, it's because of that movie. Yeah. Damn. Did you, he was such an she asshole. She said that was like the first movie. thing that she said. Like, it literally started and she was like, oh, I hate his fucking face. And, he, and it's funny yeah, because he is an asshole in the beginning of this movie. But then you like. Learn to love him. Well, and not not only do you learn to love him, but you understand him. Like, you, you understand why like, he is the way that, that he is. It's crazy that this movie, like, I mean, the, in the movie, you literally just like un- start to understand him, and then you kind of learn to love the character. But then I kind of like learned to love the actor. Well, he's a really oh. good actor. He yeah, is. Well, he's a I very talented Oscar-nominated actor. Oftentimes, I think about him and the late Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they were like often regarded as like contemporaries when it came down to their acting prowess at least oftentimes when i think about them like for whatever silly reason it's like those two always came to mind yeah and maybe it's because of like the type of roles that they always got but yeah no paul giamani is one of those that uh, stands the fuck out yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. he he really does and he just and he crushes it here everyone he did did great everyone crushes it here and what a break what a breakout role yeah, for, for the guy to plays Tully, that's yeah. insane. Yeah. That was his first role ever. Yeah, and he did great. Dominic Sessa, yep. Now, I will say, it is, okay, I think this is one of those tricky things when it comes down to casting. When I initially saw this film, I thought this was like a college campus, but this is high school. And I'm like, 
but they kind of explain it where he's like, yeah, he's supposed he's, he's a been junior. held back. He's too. been held back. So yeah. I'm like, okay, I kind of get because like motherfucker, you look old as hell. Yeah, but- <laughs> he's like he looks like a high schooler. I mean, like yeah, no, he looks more like a college student versus a high schooler. No, I think I feel like he still looks like he's in his like awkward adolescent phase. Really? Yeah. I I think he looks like a senior in high school. Yeah, well, and that's where they explain maybe, the whole thing, maybe, like failing held back in. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, technically, he was a junior, right? Like, yeah, yeah, he was held back, yeah. but yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I agree. It's tough because you know, you, you can only cast. So, oh, so I know, I know. But dude, kills it. Like the acting in this film is so damn. Oh, that's the thing I was trying to say. Remember, authentic. There's an mm-hmm. authenticity to this film. Yeah, that can be appreciated. Yeah, and I think I, I just really love the aspect too that you've got these three. Basically, each of these characters are three lines right and mm-hmm. they just all are they're all parallel to a certain point mm-hmm. but then they intersect at this one point which is this movie mm-hmm. and they all content they're like i said earlier their paths change after this two weeks with each other but it's cool to kind of see that you get to see them change but you also realize that the, like this is just a moment for all of them and mm-hmm. their lives are going to kind of keep going and it, it doesn't feel like this movie is trying to encapsulate everything about the characters. It's just kind of telling you this snapshot right. and this pivotal moment for all of them. But it is I mean, pretty significant for each of them, yeah. Mary, Angus, and Paul, those are their three names. They all are going through their own issues. I mean, Mary just lost her son. Paul Tragic. is really tr- starting to come to realize that he's just kind of an asshole, and he's taking mm-hmm. out... I mean, really, when you come down to it, he's taking out his trauma mm-hmm. on all the children yep. that he has yeah. in yep. school. And you've got Angus, who is also... I mean, he really is. Angus and Paul are actually kind of mirror images of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they both were raised by a single parent. They both have a ton of trauma. Both of them have gotten kicked out of schools. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of there, and I think well, that I don't is think what Angus causes was raised by a single parent. He, he was, for the most part, he by his mom, and it sounds no, like no, 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 no. His it, mom and dad were there, to, but the dad yeah, started developing mental illness. Just like recently, his yeah. dad had started. Uh, I think they said it was like four years. Four ago years. Or it was four years. Yeah, but that's, so he was. So I think he's supposed to be like 15-ish in this movie. What? Yeah. So 15. Either way, I guess what I'm saying is maybe not entirely. That is the tallest ass 15 year old. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the tallest ass 15 year old I've seen in my has, life. Oliver has a friend that was quite literally almost seven foot in like middle school. What yeah, the fuck? Yeah, have a really wow. tall friend. That's yeah. like puberty hitting motherfucker but, hard. It's like poosh. But basically, basically <laughs> what I'm saying is like, yeah, they're not, of course just like you know, basically everybody in life, you're not, your stories aren't going to be identical. But right. I think part of what makes Paul understand that he needs a change is seeing Angus and oh, seeing yeah. what he's going through and not only sympathizing and empathizing with him, but also recognizing faults that, you know. And recognizing how he can impact and, impact Angus's life. Yes. And it's really that, that speech from Susan when they're at the party, which is also a really sad scene. They're at a, a party, and Shit. Susan's basically, Paul's basically saying, you know, the world f- sucks, everything sucks. Everything sucks! Yep, the, and the kids are getting born into it, and it's nothing's ever been as bad as it is right now. And she's like, well, that's kind of like, then it sounds like it's our job to make things better. Yeah, probably. that's the reason why yeah. people like you exist. You're t- here to help them out. And that's kind of, I think, a big moment for him mm-hmm. to realize, like, oh. he can be the change that he's been looking for. It's not all hopeless. Yeah. And that's followed by immediately... Her kissing her boyfriend or whatever it is. Oh, I was you know, like, Paul has a crush on her. That's, that's a pretty crushing moment yeah. too, because you want Paul to win. Oh yeah, and it was like, oh. There's like a part of me that loves how this movie played out, though. Like when you think about like the feel good Christmas movies, like 
they're pretty predictable. Mm-hmm. And so when you start this movie, you're like, your prediction, if you're like going based off the feel good movies, is that, you know, what's Paul's name in this movie again? That is his name. Paul is it Paul Hunnam? I think oh. that was actually his name. Paul Giamatti is is Paul Hunnam. Oh, yeah. That makes it easy. Damn. Anyways, his character, you like think that he's just gonna like soften up and you know connect with Angus and then kind of him and Mary are gonna kind of form this bond and then like maybe end up together or whatever and then Mary and him I don't there's there's times I I never picked up on that oh see I picked up I was like I thought Susan and him were gonna end up together Susan's the girl Susan is the Susan is the girl in the movie that he wants to be with but it never works out and then it's the the person that you don't expect to be with that ends up working out. Yeah, that's, that's how interesting. every feel-good Christmas movie uh, works out, and yeah. then everything is all happy ever ever after at the end of it. But like this movie isn't like that. Yeah, yeah. it just like shows you how it tries to also like play in a real life. Like oh, yeah. life yeah. isn't necessarily like the movies in that way. Yeah, I don't know why, but this scene just came came to mind. So it's when the collarbone scene. No, no. That, was also, that was fun. <laughs> about me. So when Paul pops up over to where Mary is like hanging out watching the newlyweds show, and they get a chance to sit down and talk for a while, this is one of those first major instances you get to learn more of Paul's backstory mm-hmm. and his mindset and how he operates. And it was kind of funny while they're watching the newlyweds show, and the one of the contestants like, "Okay, so if you had to go on a trip, where would you like to go?" And it, the husband's like, Las Vegas! And the wife's like, why the fuck are you going to go to Vegas? Like, yeah, I want to go to Vegas and send you off somewhere else. And she's like, mm. yeah. And then Mary Meany's like, yep, they're getting a divorce. They're getting a divorce. <laughs> I was like, and damn! Paul, and, and there's like a moment of respect where Paul's like, wait, what? How, like, how do you know that? And she's yeah. like, I've seen that look before. Yeah, like, that, that look of stale disappointment. Yeah, stale disappointment. Yeah. I'm like, god damn. Yeah, <laughs> It's just like this little moments like that is fun. Like when characters get to like, experience something like outside of the world in a way yeah. and just like share something that that's fun yep and, and this movie and has that and it's, they it's feel i think everyone in this movie feels like real character like real people too yeah, yeah. like you'd like, actually meet them somewhere it's like oh hi like For paul sure. is this nerdy curmudgeon guy mm-hmm. and it's so funny because even when like susan is obviously now hindsight she's not really flirting with him she's just a very sweet person mm, very sweet but when she kisses him under the mistletoe it's this moment where like Oh, you should capitalize on it, right? Yeah, you should yeah. like, talk to her. Instead, he's like, you know, mistletoe is something. And he just goes well, on this tangent like, about yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Greek mythology. Like he does that and, so yep. often, like almost like when he's, he's not socially in an aware of uncomfortable situation or like just trying to get himself out there. He just starts spitting off like Greek mythology facts and like he goes off oh, about ancient gosh. facts so much. It's yep. like that's all on his mind. Yeah, like yeah, it's that that so is funny. his that is what he lives and breathes. The shit literally like had me reeling when he gave as a gift meditations by Marcus oh Aurelius. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? Marcus I mean, Aurelius meditations. He gives that to Angus, and then he gives another gift to Mary, and it's just the same book. Yeah, and it turns out dude has a box of those books. So I'm like, yeah. yo, I mean, I get so it, but funny. damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. One, uh, kind of going off the list of questions that we have here, just, I'm curious, did this film actually, we've kind of touched upon this, but did this film actually get any hype or any yeah, form of like I think, proper reception? Yeah, it's getting very positively received. Yay! Um, but is it like? But it's it's not getting. I don't a think it's smaller a, audience. Yeah, I think it's. Oh. I think it's not getting as much attention as it. I at least I feel like it deserves, and I think most people that watch it 
also feel like it's not getting the attention it deserves. Yeah. And I think it's just because it's a small movie. Mm-hmm. It's very, uh, I don't know if niche is the right word, but it's kind of a niche movie in that it's like filmed to look like an old movie. It's kind of like this standalone, feel again, feel-good Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, modern audiences don't necessarily go out to theaters to watch those kind of movies as much They're as they used to. They're going and watching The Violent Nights. Sure, yeah, and I don't even think Violent Night did in, like oh, stupendously good. well right. in, in theaters. But I think it's more so just this movie, I think, kind of just coasted underneath the radar. And people mm. that are seeing it are really enjoying it, but I don't think it's getting... It's not breaking any records or anything like that. No, I get what you mean. And this actually lends to a bit of a tangent, but I think this kind of fits with this particular film. So I was listening to this other discussion about uh, movies these days, and there's a bit of a gap when it comes down to films that have a budget of, like, say, like, 10, 50 million, like, sub 100 million. Because there's the big 250, $300 million yeah. movies, and then there's indie. You, and that's about you, it. We very, very rarely nowadays do you get mid-budget movies. Yeah, you, you either and, get like very high budget movies or low budget movies. And this feels like this fits within the mid budget type of movie realm, doesn't it? I don't know what the budget for this movie was. Mm-hmm. Um, I imagine it wasn't a whole lot. In fact, I was reading, and the whole reason that they filled it or filmed it on in Manhattan, I think it was, um, or maybe it was Massachusetts. I thought it was Massachusetts. They might have been Massachusetts. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess that would make sense for Boston, Boston right? Yeah. But Boston. the whole reason that they filmed it there was because they got like a twenty five percent tax credit or something. Like, Are you serious? And they filmed a, yeah. like a ton of things on Dude, on location, <laughs> and they like kind of just took advantage of every like everything that they could get low budget, essentially. Yeah. Damn, and respect it's, to that. And it looks great. I think the movie looks fantastic, and it it's it looks so much like an old. 70s, Dude, maybe it's 80s. almost like inseparable to the movie, and it's not. Are in the beginning. Oh yeah, and everything. It is, and maybe you'd be surprised to know, or maybe you wouldn't, that it's not shot on film and it's yeah. not oh. shot on any of those, you know, older styles. It's just edited to look that, that way. way. Yeah. And you, even to like the little grain on the screen, yeah. and you can see the little like imperfections yeah. that pop up on screen every so often. It just looks like a movie from a bygone era and it works really well. Do you think it would have benefited if it was shot in film or this is like digital just like say I think it? I think this is an example of a movie that I mean I think if you know what to look for, you can always tell the difference between film and digital. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you watch this, and I think you can, I think you could tell, at least I can tell, that it's not an actual film mm. movie. Right, like it was shot in film, yeah. But it looks pretty damn close, and I think that it works. You know what I mean? It is far cheaper to shoot digitally than it is to yeah. shoot Okay, that film, makes sense, yeah. Which is why everyone does it nowadays, and there's a lot of things you can do in editing and all those different things. But mm-hmm. I think it works. I think that immediately when this movie starts with how Shannon was saying, like the intro credits and stuff, you know that you're kind of being transported into this What's movie. What's the, credits is not the right word, but the, um, in the very beginning of movies. Oh, like a title, title card? Like, Teleco- oh, yeah. Kind of like the title card. The intro credits. When they show off the logos of the different like publishing and yeah, distribution yeah, yeah, houses yeah, yeah. and stuff like that. It's like the so old school approach. So when that first popped up, even that is filmed to... Or I guess not filmed, but edited to look like it was old school. From yeah, old yeah. school. And Oliver immediately was like, "This is not an old movie, Shannon." And I was like, "Yeah, I know it's not an old movie." And it was just kind of interesting that they they went as far as to even make the intro to the movie look that way. 
That was pretty cool, too. Yeah. They stuck with that. it. Not even just in how it is um, aesthetically looking, but in how it's shot as well. Like, there's mm-hmm. crash zooms and yeah. slow pans the, and transitional he, wipes <laughs> and things that just, like, When he yells old. for Angus outside, he's like, Angus! And, and then like, zoom out. Zooms out. Yeah! Like, so olden. That is such olden. an old olden, approach. Older. Old school. Old school. That's like old, old technique, school. yeah. Thank you. Yep, and there's a lot of that. There's, like, transitional wipes and fade-ins yeah. and all sorts of different things that you don't see in movies as much anymore, yeah. but we're... Like, just make it kind of You think fun. about like Star Wars, you know, like A New Hope. Mm-hmm. All the screen wipes, transitional mm-hmm. wipes, like they use that quite a bit in this yeah. movie too. It just feels like a movie from kind of a bygone era. I bet like uh, film buffs like Quentin Tarantino would appreciate that. It's like, oh, hey, man. Yeah, and, and I think it's one thing for a movie to use that aesthetic just to like kind of be different and be artsy. Mm-hmm. But in this case, it actually, it really does work not only to make the setting better, and make it feel more authentic, but it really does work to just give the movie an overall feel that yeah, feels like, feel like genuinely it would like be a little different. If this not. was shot mm. in a modern way, I don't know that it would be as effective as, effective yeah. as it is. So that also adds another important question: Does this film, with if you kept the same characters, kept the same story, everything, does it? Does the setting of the 1970s fit more effectively with it? Versus if this was shot, like, say, or done, say, in, like, the 90s or, like, now. You're, like, yeah. are you talking about in, uh-huh. like, the actual setting of the movie? If yeah, the like, does the yeah, setting I... aid so well to the story that it's, like, a perfect pairing? Or would the story be impacted negatively if this was shot, in, if this was set in a modern time? I think it would be impacted negatively. I think mm-hmm. I think there's a lot to be said about, like, no internet. Oh, yeah. No cell phones. Mm-hmm. You know, like, there's, like, a lot I to mean, be... I mean, even just, like, the elements of talking about depression or i mean they really don't talk about the depression but like and his dad is in the psychiatric ward Mm -hmm. at first he doesn't even say his dad's in the psychiatric ward he actually actually says his dad dad is dead and And i guess in many ways he kind of believes that yeah yeah and then when paul finds his depression medicine he kind of like doesn't want to talk about it Mm -hmm. you come to find out that paul also has um depression is taking meds for it and it's like those things weren't really discussed back then. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah, like no. kind of the they play it off in the movie, but it just like it does kind of bring them closer well, in a in a weird way. And mm-hmm. well, and also I think because it's set in the seventies, as viewers, you're also more inclined to let certain things slide. Mm-hmm. Like yes. it's more believable that this holdover situation would happen, right? And it's more believable. Mm-hmm. That like a teacher might take a student to a party or something. You know what I mean? Like oh yeah. And it and that it, it's in the movie. It's not nefarious or weird in any way. It's like yeah. very like very wholesome actually. But yeah. it's mm. I think in today's day and age you'd be like oh like huge no like tisk tisk that's bad like no yeah. don't do that. Not only yeah. are you taking you're taking them around alcohol and all these different things, but it's kind of a running joke that Paul or not Paul Angus keeps trying to get a, a Miller High Life yeah. get a beer. And it's kind of a running joke from everyone. Everyone's very light about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it's that same kind of jokiness about that type of thing in today's, like if it was set in today's time, it would still work, but it just is a different undertone. Yeah. yeah. Different That's feel. actually a really good point by having it set in this era. Things are just a little more laid. I really don't think this movie back, would but... 
be that good. There's so much that I think would it would just still cha- be good, but it just would really change it. Yeah. It would cha- I think it would still be good. There's I think it's great like performances. more like a Hallmark movie if it was set in more <laughs> time. I don't know if I totally agree, but I Maybe agree that not, it would. Maybe not, but like, like... It's like so this, yeah. this movie is held together by there, really great lot, performances, like, A lot writing. of things would change oh, yeah. about this movie if, if it was set in yes, modern times. Yeah. Like you yeah. were just saying, like the no internet, the... The holdover situation, like, I'm sorry, but, like, it's just not realistic for the staff to just be okay that Angus's parents aren't answering the phone. Like, yeah, that because would, there's a legit limitations. Like, like oh, we nowadays, got Nowadays, that would not be okay. And or, so, or, like, or Paul... Paul's character and Angus sharing a hotel room. Clearly. Yeah, that like, would oh, not yeah. Be okay. That would be a weird I don't know why. Thing. I was just like, oh, okay. Going out to dinner, like... Yep. There, there would just be a lot that wouldn't. Because it's the work. fucking seventies. Modern, yeah, modern standards and societal standards are just different than they were in the seventies or in the past. And I and think, in a weird way, when I you wonder look, how that affects teachers. Oh, a lot. Oh, a lot. How, well, think how about how much ha- I mean. Have changed. Oh, uh, Paul Giamatti's character, yeah. like Paul. <laughs> basically call I mean literally calls oh, yeah. his students to, like troglodytes oh yeah call, like calls them like even that wouldn't fly he basically oh, yeah. calls them everything Every, but pieces of shit yeah you're all idiots <laughs> you're all like yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah they're little assholes like, <laughs> yeah. he just he he calls them names to their faces behind their back and th- even that is something that I think in a comedy would work but this movie isn't really trying to be a comedy necessarily it's like a, I mean it has comedy in it but right. it's not necessarily just a com yeah would you comedy. define this as a drama a dramedy, maybe. Dramedy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's dramedy. Yeah, it definitely. I think is. It, actually, I was reading something and it said that it was a dramedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. That that fits it. But it's not just an outward comedy. No, and, hell no. And no. I think that uh, if you if it was a drama or a dramedy set in today's day and age, yeah, you could still have those jokes and things. It just doesn't work as good. Yeah. It's less believable. Yeah. No, the setting actually helps out tremendously. And on that point of the setting one thing that kept popping out and i've always appreciated when it comes down to film set in like a bygone era is the amount of attention detail when it comes down to costuming like setting cars ten logos playing 10 pins like not exactly i'm like who the fuck do they have to contact in order to a get all this shit b build this shit Three get references, make from sure what the I shit was reading, looks right. It's like I was it's reading, they would just like found places that were like willing to do that type of stuff. That's crazy. And yeah. then you also gotta like fact check that shit, like, hey, it was really like this back in the days. Like, nah, bitch, like fix this. I'm like, oh hey, look good. <laughs> you guys wanna hear something crazy? So yeah. I had this she wasn't even a teacher, she was um like a daycare Ooh. person. Yeah, yeah. When I was like, God, I had to have been like five years old. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I just like for whatever reason, like, sh- I, I just, like, grasped on her. Like, she was, like, my uh-huh. person that I, like, looked up to. And I was thinking about this when watching this movie to the point where, like, I would go over to her house and just stay the night. And, like, uh-huh. she would, like, end up babysitting me and all this stuff. And then she left. I didn't see her for years. Like, mm-hmm. probably until I was, like, 10 years old, I randomly saw her at a park and remembered her. And she remembered me. Oh, that's so sweet. And then, again, when it was 2000... 18 again i saw her oh. and we started working at the gym and like we just remembered each other and we we're like she's like oh my god are you shannon and i was like yes oh. and it was like i don't know i thought about that with this movie that's awesome but i was like it is kind of crazy because you couldn't do that nowadays you couldn't like a, a daycare teacher can just like let their kid a kid come over and stay yeah the night definitely and, not like, as maybe not it would be frowned upon definitely yeah and 
for sure. That actually brings up something. I'm, I'm formulating this as I'm saying this. So there is a bit of like, there's an element of that that's lost in a way. But okay, so hear me out on this. This film kind of showcased something that, as you were just mentioning, Shannon, that is kind of lost where you could have that type of experience with someone, mm-hmm. especially like a teacher or daycare giver or something like that, because that that was their role in many ways. They were like the trusted advisors for your kids mm-hmm. in many ways. But nowadays, the emphasis on found family elements is much higher mm-hmm. because we're much more, I would say, atomized or individualistic in terms of our approach. So found family is becoming more prominent. So that's a theme that definitely speaks to home mm-hmm. from this film. So that definitely resonates with modern audiences. So it's in a weird way we've lost that ability to find said connections, at least from that right. way. But like, we like still as a society, we're able to find it in, in different ways. Well, and it's I, like you think about kids, like troubled kids specifically. Yeah. They Oof. that Oof. lack that like family dynamic, they're spending so much time with their teachers. Like, yep. And then they go home and don't yeah. have a good. Home relationship, yeah, yeah, home life with yeah. their family, like a good relationship with their family. And so it's like, as a child, you are going to look for that in your teacher. Mm-hmm. Like, just naturally, that's what you're going to do. And the fact that, like, I think teachers can't, I don't even know, like, the right word for it. Like, they, they can't, have a lot of restrictions. They can't that, really con- yeah. connect in a way that I think a lot of kids probably would need. Yeah, that's a fair point. And I think, I think society, like Taylor was just saying, I think it, there is more of an emphasis now on like found families and mm-hmm. things like that. But the inverse to that, or the counterpart to that, is that I feel like in general, and this is a massive blanket statement, Go but for like it. in general, society is also less trusting. Than, yes, than for sure. It used to yeah, be. there we go. Yeah, so that's a good way like, to put it. Yeah. Although we, although I think there's a lot more emphasis on you know families who who you choose and yeah. what you, you make it out to be. The you know on the flip side of that, overall, it seems like society, maybe at least maybe at least in America, I shouldn't say you know all over the world, but <sighs> but yeah, probably um, is just less trusting. It's right. it's yeah. you know I think a lot of people wouldn't be like, oh, I'm okay with this teacher just taking my kid somewhere right. yeah. for a field trip by themselves. or You know what I mean? Like right. we have like sensibilities now, or I don't even know if sensibilities are the right way to put it, where we're just more cautious, more aware. We're, we got societal we're, trauma. Yeah, we're way more aware of the bad shit that's happening Maybe in the that's world. it, yeah. Because it's like, if you think back on it, like in the 70s, they didn't have access to like social media and all this stuff and didn't know all the bad shit that was happening, even like though there's so many serial killers back then. But well, I don't think there's so many in the '70s, dude. But it started in the '70s. You should look up. Major... You should look up all the serial killers. That dude, were in the '70s, 70s were crazy. Didn't '80s were yes. fucked. '90s 70s, people got crazy. Yeah, fuck, '70s didn't? and dude. '80s had like dude. the craziest, Yo, especially California. Yes. Yo, Insanity. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy was in the '70s. What was it? I think it's because not to go on a tangent. Don't about forget serial. Charles Manson too. <laughs> Charles Manson. In but like it's because this too. movie has nothing to do with serial <laughs> There was no communication beyond state lines or county yeah, lines yeah. even. So yeah. people were killing people in different... Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. the, the reason we even... Like, this movie has you know, literally <laughs> nothing to do with serial killers No, no, no but all. the reason we mention all this is because it's introduced... <laughs> probably why people are a little more trusting. <laughs> no, for real. And that's actually... The fact that we know this is probably why we're Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I after you brought that point up, Oliver, Ignorance I'm like... Ignorance is bliss. I also <laughs> probably wouldn't let my child 
like go on a field trip right. with the so future. That's There's the something to be said about ignorance is bliss too. Right. Yeah. right. Well, that's the thing. Like when, say for instance, back in the restaurant scene near the end of the film where Paul, Agnes, or oh, is it Angus? Angus. 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 I'm thinking Agnes. Angus steak. Yeah, I think the steak. Angus steak. There we go. So <laughs> Angus and Mary are sitting in the restaurant and the waitress pops over and says, oh, he can't have this particular dessert because it has alcohol in it. And it's curious because back in the day, that was a consistent thing. Like the adults were very mindful on the well-being of children and a shared aspect. Nowadays, if a parent asks for like, give this kid the dessert, like, fuck it. Okay. Yeah. You're the parents. Right. We give a shit. Like, that's the thing. This, as we noted, the sensibility has changed. And I think this movie has really taken that era and the sensibilities in the time and used it to his advantage. Yeah. And yeah. it really highlights a lot of those differences quite extensively. So it's it's kind of fun seeing how much of a difference it has. But like Paul says in the movie, the past, past. Oh, you were, I thought you were gonna <laughs> finish my sentence. <laughs> Basically the past is the past is what has created the present. Yes. Mm-hmm. So in order every to every little yeah. bit of where we are as society now every bit of that was in the past as well. Exactly. It's just exactly. a culmination of all of those different events to create where we're at now. And I'm, so I remember in the trailer that actually was one of the lines that was used that really stood out. And it boils down to, in order to understand the present, you have to look into the past. Mm-hmm. And that shit's like, you, that right there is the perfect caption for history. And if you want to sell history, that's it. It'll always be that way. Like, oh, for sure. Yeah, that it's a pretty good... Pretty good message. Fuck yeah. And I love how even in the movie, the uh, Angus was like, you know what? If you just said that. If you said and that just... and showed me a little bit of porn. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, yeah, that would actually sell history quite more. Yeah. The context <laughs> of that is that there's like a Greek plate. That yeah. Has like oh, I thought it was pottery. on it. Pottery. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. I think it's a dish, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You're right. Has yeah, nudity yeah. on it. He's like, if you just worded history that way and then told us a little bit about the porno. We'd be all in. Like, right. You'd be the best teacher ever. Exactly. And what's actually kind of funny is that when he, me- like, throughout the film, they mentioned things like the Peloponnesian War and then Carthage versus Rome and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I actually got none of that stuff. Yay. Yeah. I and don't. Uh, all. Although, if there's one thing that is true, is you would not get an A on a test in his class. Oh, fuck no. The fact that dude got B plus, I'm like, holy he shit, high, he's smart. Yeah, Angus <laughs> had the highest score. That's kind of the, that's the introduction to his character. Yeah. And it's pretty interesting how. You learn about these characters through little tiny. It's pieces. through actions yeah. versus. You know, it starts you know. with, you know, Paul Giamatti's character walking in, and handing homework on e- or these test results on mm-hmm. each of these kids' desks, and it's like, and F, it's like F, he has like pride in it. It's like, bitch, you get this. Yep, yeah. bitch, you get this. Yep, and then he slaps it onto Angus's desk, and it's a B plus. And even then, he's like disappointed in him, and it just like immediately you're like, okay, so he's smart, but mm-hmm. he's also a troublemaker. Yeah, right? and. What's interesting, and this is something that is explored in many aspects, like each character has their own unique elements. Paul has this mindset where initially it's introduced that, oh, these rich kids, they're so privileged that we have to bring them down a peg and make sure that they are raised to be basically like gentlemen or actually have manners through this school. But then you learn over time that it's, he kind of believes that, but it's also kind of disguised in his own past Mm-hmm. Traumas where he himself was screwed over by a rich kid, yeah. and that's what got him. And I hit out him. Harvard. And oh, he you hit punched him. him? No, I hit him with a car. car. <laughs> <laughs> it was by accident. Yeah. He broke three ribs, broke and he shot himself. He shot himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
That was great. So great. And then I love that part where like the guy behind the counter at the liquor store where he's telling that story, go, like gives the bottle, he's like, Here you go, killer. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, I <laughs> yeah. love that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, moments like that I absolutely love. But yeah. yeah, it's you learn aspects about these characters in the backgrounds and motivations in a natural manner. And it's not like forced, so it's like yeah. not through what's the term I'm looking for? Um it through like they just tell it to you. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's like, also, oh, you learn it naturally. And there's also a, a major element of like not judging books by their covers as oh, well. Yeah, like that's yeah. a huge part of this movie mm-hmm. because you realize that, I mean, you know the whole time Paul is just an asshole. He just like, he just kind of is. But you come to find out that he's that way for a reason. Like it's, it is his trauma that has created him to mm-hmm. be this way. And then you like, even the aspect of like, he stinks and it's clear that everybody thinks that he stinks like actually yeah, it's a medical smells. condition. Yeah. And then you find out that's a medical condition. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with Angus. Angus is this little shit too in his own way, but you find out there's reasons for that. And yeah. it, it can go, you know, his parents abandoning him for Christmas and he his dad being in a psych ward and all these different things. You you find out all these little pieces about people that make them who they are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you could we could tie this back to anatomy of a murder. People are made of many things. Oh yeah. People are neither good nor bad. It's just uh, a matter of they're much more complicated than that. Yeah. 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 So yeah, no, this film definitely has a complexity to it, while also being uh, I wouldn't exactly say lighthearted, but it I has, know it's weird because it feels lighthearted. Yeah, it's not. It's, fuck. But it's not. But it's, it is. It's interesting because it, have it has been, a it has a again levity. levity. That's levity to everything. Even when the hard things are happening, there is like either comedy imbued in it, or you know that it's not necessarily. You just kind of feel connected to it. Yeah, Yeah, this good pacing. This film has pretty good pacing. A way of like, like maintaining the tones where when it gets dour, it it knows how to keep it solid, but then bring it back up a little bit. It's not like a Marvel film where it's like, oh, it's sad now. Throw some comedy. It's like no, it it no quips or anything. Exactly, it knows how to properly manage that tone, and it's it's good. Shit, a lot of films could learn from this shit. Yeah. Fuck. For sure. Do you guys think this movie's for everyone? Yeah. You know, I do actually. I do too. It's funny. I was thinking about that yesterday. Okay, I don't Taylor think Taylor has a different. Yeah. I'm trying to see. I'm looking... trying to find like trying so to create the like, outcome. So I, <laughs> we watch a lot of movies. Yes, we do. And we talk about a lot of movies on yes, this podcast. Do. And I think very seldomly do I ever say that a movie is for everyone. In fact, I can't necessarily think of a movie or the last movie that i did say like everyone could watch wait wait boyhood uh, every huh? everything everywhere all at once and boyhood. E- boyhood everything everywhere all at once and was did i say that for boyhood i don't know but i was I like i don't know was, if i did say it for boyhood i mean i, I could boyhood. see boyhood could do it yeah, sure uh, i think we struggled with I, if, like, i don't know uh, i I, like I don't think boyhood generations yeah. but anyways <laughs> that's not the point point being is that it's it's a tough question that we ask every time True. because it's a, that's a high bar for a movie to clear I yeah. actually don't even know if everything everywhere all at once is for everybody yeah I don't I even know if it is it. either I anyways do, I do we think go back and that. listen to that podcast yeah. and tell me because I can't <laughs> let remember. us know but I I do I think that this movie is for everyone it's yes it is rated R and it has swear words in it and there's like the tiniest blip of I'd nudity watch, in it I let my little four year old watch this but I don't think I don't think it's raunchy. I don't think it's raunchy or explicit or anything. Why? I don't think it's like it's people being people. Yeah, it it doesn't. Yeah. It's not trying to be dirty to be dirty. You right. know, like Violent Night is rated R, and it's rated R because it needs like it's trying to be gory. It's yeah. trying to be raunchy. This movie is not trying to be those things. It's just yeah, people being people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good story. I think it's a feel good movie. 
I would totally buy this movie on physical media and take it over to my parents' house for Christmas or something and watch it. Like, I, yeah. it's a movie that I really do think if you're in the mood for, at least in my opinion, you're in the mood for a Christmas movie and you want something you haven't seen before, I'd be like, watch The Holdovers. So the, not even a Christmas movie. No, like, but I'm just saying that's the easiest right, like, way to sure, introduce sure, it. Yeah. Like, that is probably what I would recommend as like a, a good Christmas movie. But like, honestly, not even just a Christmas movie. Like this mm-hmm. movie is could work at any point of the For year. sure. It's a good movie in general. Yeah. yeah, for sure. It's just set in Christmas. I think it's it has that more holiday feel to it, mm-hmm. which is why if someone, specifically like that question, somebody's like, oh, I want to watch a movie and I don't know what to watch. Mm-hmm. There's all the movies that we are, we've already talked about that people have seen a hundred times, Elf, like Christmas Story and all those things. Die Hard. This is one that's going to be like, <laughs> yeah, Die Hard. I still need, we still need to watch Die Hard this Christmas. Yes, but do. <laughs> this is one that I would add to like my, my Rolodex of movies to be like, watch the holdovers. Yeah. And it, the thing is, is, a lot of people haven't seen it. Yeah. So it's an, you know. There's only one thing I will, I will note. So when it comes down to the aspect of older films. Yeah. Because I know that's something that we've learned more and more over the course of the podcast, how older films, there is this barrier of entry when the older aesthetic, the older like tropes and everything kind of just like bounces people away. Yeah. Like Shannon. So with that being said, if you didn't know this film was made in modern times, would you still watch it? Or do you think that older film aesthetic and style and everything would create that barrier? I don't I don't feel like it would, but also knowing me, I could be like, oh, this was in the 1970s. Nope. No, thank you. Right, right. Now, so- if we had to watch it, I probably would still enjoy it. Right. Like it, I do all older movies. Oh, Maybe not all, but not most. Most. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the reason that I'm I say... I'm a little more open with watching yeah. older movies lately, though. I think the reason I think the reason that I say it specifically, like if someone wanted to watch a Christmas movie, it'd be mm-hmm. an, an open recommendation for me to anybody, yeah. is because I think because so many people's go-to Christmas movies are older, like mm. it seems like... Not that often do new Christmas movies come out that become a staple of people's traditions. Right. That people that usually ask those questions, at least in my experience, are okay with there being it being an older movie. Mm-hmm. And so even if the aesthetic of the holdovers is a turnoff for most people because it's you know made to look older, feel older, mm-hmm. I don't think specifically in the Christmas movie genre, yeah, would it turn people off. I so see what you're saying. That's kind of what mm-hmm. I'm saying. So I think in that way, it's like yeah, go for it. Yeah. Now. It's like A Wonderful Life is like so many people's staple Christmas movie, God and damn. that is a black and white old movie. That movie is fucking incredible, I'm just going to say it right now. But with what we've mentioned earlier about how the reception so far has been positive, but for a small grouping of individ- like you know moviegoers, do you think this film is going to be a cult classic, or yeah. do you think this film... Is going to have a cult following that expands more and it, actually becomes popular, like like it's a wonderful life. I think it'll, I think it'll expand. I think mm. after yeah. I would be, you know, a lot of people are calling this movie, like you know, in contention for an Oscar. Really? What the fuck? Yeah, mean, whether it's like best supporting actor or it could. whatever it might be. Look, if this movie wins an Oscar, I'd be happy. I, I I could almost guarantee there will be a renaissance for it. I, I think so, at least. I yeah. think, like, if if not like an Oscar, like maybe like some of the like smaller ones, like 
But even shit. if it doesn't, I could <laughs> I could see it being one of those movies that after a few years or several years, yeah, somebody picks it up and starts tweeting about it or whatever, and yeah, then it becomes yeah. like this. It's too. Hit. It's too good to not have that happen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I. I, I think it'll probably happen sooner than that. But mm-hmm. if it doesn't, for whatever reason, but even you, even just the ramp up of this movie, it really came out and was kind of like coasting. Yeah. And then I, only mm-hmm. recently have I kind of started to really see it like get talked about a little bit more. And even that is kind of in film. Well, it really just and takes stuff. like us sitting at the table doing a podcast review on it and being like, people fucking watch this movie. It's good. For real. Like, because so many of these smaller movies are only in theaters for... I really want A wanted, blip of time. And here's yeah. my, my two cents. Mm. Like, if anybody listening to this podcast mm-hmm. n- sees a small, tiny movie, whether it's A24, The Holdovers, or whatever it might be, and you see a trailer for it, and you're interested in that movie. Even in the go to the theater and go see it. Support it, please. Support that movie. Oh, I just want more movies like this to get made, and they don't get made if everyone just waits for them to go streaming. And the best part is, is that more of these movies can actually get made, and we get better quality movies, and that's it'd actually what be I'm nice. saying. I, I would spend your dollars at the theater on the for good movies shit, like this. actual good movies, not yes. the freaking Marvel movies. Yeah, because they're yeah. starting to kind of suck. suck now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, they're starting to suck now. <laughs> hey, Godzilla minus one passed the Marvel. Yo, okay. Yo, okay. Real quick. Big tangent. Do you want to check that out? I've seen it. I saw it open. I, saw, I got early access and saw it. I didn't get early I access. Is, is it good? Is it good? Yeah, it is. I like it. But okay. So, I, we shouldn't so, talk about it. It has literally nothing to do with this podcast. But, but We've already talked should, about we, should we make it into an episode? Oh, God, please um, no. Well, quick, okay, quick tangent. <laughs> Shannon and I watched Shin Godzilla, and Shannon likes Shin Godzilla. Okay, let's Yeah, anyway, this, so, yeah, this yeah, is yeah, after this podcast. literally has nothing to do with this podcast. Let's get into ratings, Point, <laughs> point being of all of that, support small movies. Because yes. when you do, like like Godzilla Minus One, it can make a difference. Exactly. It can, it can get foreign films in America. It can get right. tiny movies, big budgets. It can get tiny movies that are in theaters. Awesome physical releases that have behind-the-scenes features. Like it does make a difference. Go do it. And if it helps bring any further context, think about it like this: if you support these smaller films that cost like what ten up to like fifty million dollars, more of these films can be made. It's like relatively easier to make these films, and you're gonna get a wider range of quality stories readily available that you get to check out and be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Would you rather have a choice between a steak, a burger, and a pizza, or do you just want pizza all the time? And no. that is what happens when you only go to see a certain type of movie in theaters and give them your money. You know what's wrong? The fact that you said a steak, burger, and pizza, like you can put that all together. You make that a Why are a we talking steak? about food so much? Uh, <laughs> That's my food analogy. I'm trying to be like, oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shannon wants to get Shannon wants to get in ratings. Okay. Actually, wait, hold on. Oh, Taylor didn't answer the question of if he thinks this movie's for everyone. Oh, yeah. He hesitated. You really didn't pay attention. Yeah, oh he hesitated. Yeah, yeah. the gears were Look turning. At you. Ooh. you changed the topic. I did apparently. So the reason I asked all these questions, especially like whether or not this film's like because it has an old aesthetic, if it would actually work with people, is that. I was trying to find a way that you could argue this film is not for everyone, but outside of really nitpicking it here, it does have quality to it that transcends a lot of the elements of like aesthetic and even it being a Christmas movie and all that jazz. It's just a damn good, worthwhile story to explore. Mm-hmm. And because it doesn't sit so heavy, 
it sits almost in a just right zone type of deal. The Goldilocks movie. Yeah, it's a Goldilocks movie. Yeah, yeah, it 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 works well, and it. I'm curious to see if it has any staying power after we discuss it. If like over time, it kind of like, oh yeah, remember that scene from Holdovers type of deal. Like if it has that type of staying power, that really yeah. speaks to it. So. No, no, I could definitely see this film having a greater like reach for a lot of people. So yeah, it could be for a lot of people, if not ev- everyone. There you go. You have to like really search for it for it not to apply to someone. I think the fact that this, yeah. I think that the fact that this movie is set, and we had the same tangent in Violent Night. Mm. I think the fact that this movie is set in Christmas time or whatever, and it is now considered a Christmas movie, that alone will be enough for it to be seen and like stay relevant same mm-hmm. thing that happened and this was a tangent we had at violent night violent night same thing that happened with violent night because that is a christmas movie that's an action movie very 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 niche it is going to stay relevant for longer yeah but the, the different the big difference between violent night and this movie is like violent night i don't think i'd really care to watch it oh, any other yeah. time of the year versus this like yes i feel like this will probably be my like staple movie for christmas oh well yes spoiler alert um but i also would watch this all like i've said a million times in this podcast i would watch this any time of the year yeah i wouldn't with violet night yeah and so like that alone i think it could have it's not too christmasy yeah it could have a better better impact on people it makes me want to watch more the director's name is alexander payne what has he done before Sideways, Nashville. I think I've heard about that one. Um, makes me want to check more of his movies. Wait, out. was Sideways with it Jake Gyllenhaal? No, 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 Sideways was Giamatti and Chase. I can't remember the other actor's uh, name. Yeah. I haven't actually seen Sideways. I think it I might seems have like heard it's about every them. Uh, person my dad's age favorite movie. <laughs> anyways, yeah, I think we should get into ratings of this movie though. Yeah, which so, seems like on by the way on Letterbox seems to be the highest rated or reviewed movie of Alexander Payne's career. Okay, so just as an interesting cool. side, I can see it. Yeah. So, well, who wants to start first? I mean, uh, I don't want to go first. Okay, on Shannon. This one. Shannon, go first. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw my rating out there. Go I, for it. It's a five out of five. For oh! five out of ding, five. Ding ding! Let's go. I think like. I didn't read. It was interesting. Not to cut you off, I want to hear your explanation. It's interesting because we watched the movie and I couldn't get a read on if you really enjoyed it or not. I got a good poker face. Hmm. I, I mean, I guess so. Oh, shit. Yeah. I can't, good I for can't you. give too much away until we get but, to the table. Uh, yeah. I it, like. I feel like we've left movies in the past where even when you're trying to like contain your excitement, I'm like, oh, you really liked it. Or if you're trying to contain how much you didn't like it, <laughs> does it? transcend does it like do something that's ex- absolutely exemplary it's like shit it's hard for me to find i might change my opinion in time yeah and you never know it could be an evolving taste but it is a great film it is good shit <laughs> watch it for love of shit well don't worry taylor we can watch it every christmas i know until right? you give it a five <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. but 4.5 it's, it's it's where i feel it's, uh, like safest yeah. in terms of giving it yeah, yeah. it's great just I mean, watch it. I but, think 4.5 but, yeah. is like where it's sitting at on Letterboxd. Yeah. So I think it might be a or little Ron less. Or Rotten Tomatoes. Letterboxd, I think it's like 4.3 or something. No, oh. Rotten Tomatoes does a bad percentage. It's really something. hard for a movie oh, yeah. to... I, like, very few movies ever get a 4.5 net 
rating on Rotten Tomatoes because there's always some people that bring that Did down. Dune get but, like a 4.5? No, I don't think so. <laughs> Damn it. But as for me, as for me, it's it's tough because I kind of sat here. Actually, I think watching the second half today really solidified the score. Oh, really? For me. Really? Um, yesterday when I left it, for, for some reason I was stuck on four and a half. Ooh. Which is still, mind you, a great rating. Yeah, right? yeah. Like that's a, a terrific rating. But I, I, when I left the movie yesterday, I was like, I think it's a four and a half. But since we watched it last night, I've just been thinking about it. Yeah. I just, I've been thinking about it a lot. And then I watched it again today, mm-hmm. at least half of it with yeah, you, Taylor. Yeah, yeah. And I just like, I was just as invested and uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah. And I like, it was funny. We were sitting there and Shan and I have this thing where like, if one of us is on our on the phone will be like, hey, get off your phone. Aww. And I had that instinct. Shannon pulled out her phone really quick while we were watching it the second time with you. And I had that instinct to tell Shannon to go, like, hey, get off your phone and watch the movie. But then I realized, like, wait, we've literally just watched this movie. She has zero. But even then, I was still watching no, the no, movie. No, no, for sure. You is, were. But I'm, but I'm saying that, like, goes to show how this movie was is, like, most times I would just be, like, completely on my phone because mm. I was, like, I, I would be, like, I just watched this. But there was, like, multiple times where I did put my phone down because I was just like genuinely invested in the movie. Yeah, and, and, I, it. and it's, I guess that just goes to so, show that I was just as invested the second mm-hmm. time. And I, by the end of the movie the first time, it just gave me this feeling that movies don't really give me too often. Mm. And I'm not even talking about like the warm fuzzies. Like it's not like the feel goodness, but just like the, the overall fuzzies. movie, like we said at the beginning of the podcast, not trying to push a big message or trying to be some crazy huge story or plot or elaborate crazy thing or character study necessarily. I mean, yeah, there is like character studies kind of in it, I guess. Right. It was just really nice to watch this movie and leave it and being able to kind of like, okay, be like good with it. And that being said, um, it's going to be a movie that when it does come out in physical media, we will pick oh, it up. Yeah. And it's a movie that I will want to watch every holiday season if not more often i think mm-hmm. and i think it's a five star movie no that's fair that's very respectful five oliver yay taylor leave wow <laughs> wow so i think another analogy just came to mind as you were describing this film it's it's like when someone tells you a really great story that's like they're like from their life that after you hear it it kind of sticks with you because there was a lot of like lessons that were like gathered from that experience like Holy shit, the fuck got it. What the hell happened to this guy? But it, this film kind of has a similar like experience where it's like you've just witnessed this great story of these characters that they grew as a result of it. And yeah. you learn And everybody is better than they were when the film started. Exactly. And hell, you yourself might even be a little bit better. Yeah. Like, maybe like a percent or two. And I think it's Yeah, you know, I think another staple of a holiday movie besides the fact that it's set in the holidays mm-hmm. or something to look for is like a good message or a good yeah. you know feeling whatever and i think this movie isn't trying to push like any social message which is kind of nice because a lot of movies today are and i don't think that's a bad thing as i've already said but i think it's it does have like important air quotes messages about like yeah you know family is who you choose and not judging book by ju- judging books by their covers and there's like so many different. There's like, a lot of little things in this that it's like I would be, I would share this with my child. I would yeah. like watch this in the Christmas season, and I think there's, I think that they could watch it and they could leave the movie, not being like, oh my god, the world sucks, but 
leaving it being like, you know what, maybe I should be nicer to that person because I don't know what they're going through. Exactly. Or like, you know, maybe, maybe this person that I meet, they can be my family or whatever it might be. You know what mm. I mean? Like it's, I just think that there's those warm messages that are nice and I would share that with people. Mm-hmm. It makes people more human. I think that's what this film definitely like helps in many ways. It helped the characters and also makes the audience be a bit more human. Right. Yeah. I think that's a good way to encapsulate it. Yeah. It's dynamite. Fuck yeah. Hey, nice 70s reference. Yeah. Like <laughs> like, like <laughs> Ruby. Yeah. Well, well, guys, was was this the champagne of beers? I mean, this goes down really fucking smooth. Like, you can chug this up, bitch. And I'm like, oh no, that's dangerous. Yeah. It's like bubble water. It's like mm-hmm. beer pong water. Yeah. This it's, is beer pong this water. This is chugging beer. 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 <laughs> it's. Not yeah, this my would favorite. be easy to shotgun. Yeah, yeah, sure. this is shotgunning beer. Like, wow, we sound special. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's a shotgun it, beer. It we is like a bunch of millennials. I know. It is not my favorite beer no. of all time. Um, I mean, shit. I mean, we all finished it. Yeah, it's, but we also all didn't open up a second one. It's not the greatest thing in the world, had, but it's not like absolute shit. We had bigger boys. Yeah. All right, question: Is this better than Paps? I. Oliver oh, really likes PB. Not really likes PBR for like cheap beer. PBR. I think is PBR is my go-to cheap beer. I hate Coors. I think Bud Budweiser sucks. Fair. Sorry, that's fair. Bud Light used to be my go-to. Bud cheap Light beer. sucks too. That's fair. Uh, in my opinion, but they all this kind of taste the same to me. Miller High Life. You know what? You're fine. You're fine. Hey, you got a fine right here. Let's go. I think I've played beer pong with every single yeah. cheap as beer, long as so it's they not all Coors, just taste like the beer same. pong to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> that just has like the tiniest bit more flavor to it, me. It does. Wait, this? No, Pats. Oh, this is like bubble water, dude. They always call like Paps like water. Like that was like no, the, they call the joke. Coors back the... piss water. No, Coors is piss water. Paps is water. This is bubbly water. The champagne of beer. <laughs> the champagne, the champagne of, beer. of beer. Well, on that note. It's been fun, guys. Happy, fuck yeah. holidays. Happy, Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Drink everybody. responsibly. And watch this movie. Yes, watch, watch this, this movie. movie and, and also safe. treat people at least relatively decently. Especially this time of year. Be good people. Yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> this time. Be, be nice to your retail workers. <laughs> Please, for the love of All right. God. All right. Ooh. See you later, everybody. Peace. Hey everyone, if you want more Cinema Hangover, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. We also post episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. If you have any movie suggestions or questions, drop a comment on any of our social medias. Also, if you have any drink recommendations, be sure to let us know. And again, thank you for listening.